0: Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host, and today we have Dawn Bethel. She's a center director at a very significant pregnancy help organization in the Midwest. There's a deeper reason why Dawn is sharing her story today, and listener, it's a very personal reason. So I welcome you, Don, to Choose Life Radio. We're so glad to have you with us.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here today.
0: Dawn, you, you've got some real interesting information for us. Share a little bit about your family to start with and, and your favorite vacation and some things that'll, like they say in Sound of Music, your favorite things. <laughs>
1: Well, my family is one of my favorite things. I have a 26-year-old son and an 18-year-old daughter. I have been married to my husband for a little over 19 years going on the 20th year, and that's one of my favorite things to do is to spend with them. I love going to the beach and just hearing the waves and just spending time in the sun. And the other thing that I would say would be one of my favorite things is listening to worship music and being in the presence of God. Ah, that's a very sweet list. I like that. And I'm sure your kids and your husband
0: enjoy being on top of that list. (laughs) So I mentioned in our intro that you work with a successful ministry of helping women and men deal with their choices. So pregnancy-related choices. What are your duties in this organization?
1: On a daily basis, I'm to help the center have a smooth flow to oversee the running daily of all of the things that would keep the center running, but also keep the client focus very smooth and safe. One of the most important things that we do every day is join together before we open the doors to spend some time in prayer and making the environment safe, peaceful, and quiet, ready to handle whatever situation would come through our doors that day. Who does that
0: leading of prayer, or do you have a devotional, or how how, how structured is that?
1: Usually we have somebody different leading on staff on a daily basis. Oftentimes we start with a worship song to just get our hearts and minds prepared, and then we just spend a good 15-20 minutes just listening to what God would have us pray and just speaking those prayers out amongst our brothers and sisters.
0: I can imagine our listener who might be working in a place that's not a Christian atmosphere, probably very jealous for the idea that you have that kind of quality time to start your day together. But it's so important, isn't it? Especially in your line of
1: work. We absolutely have to spend time quieting ourselves before the day so that we can hear the concerns and desires that come through the client's stories.
0: What most brings a smile to your face in terms of the, the people that you meet? Have you had something wonderful happen in the last couple of weeks that you say, oh, it was just so wonderful to see that breakthrough?
1: I would say for one client in particular, she was coming in and for the majority of the time, she was always looking down. She wouldn't make eye contact very often and wouldn't even share many words with us, just very shy and broken. And she came to us a little while back and she said, I'm here today because I heard you tell me that I have importance, that I matter, and that you want to hear my voice. So I just want to say hi. And she smiled and the look of the joy just went to her eyes and not just on her face. And we knew that we were making a difference just in her own life, letting her know that she had value.
0: And how difficult is it for a person to walk into a facility like yours? I mean, are they afraid that they're going to be chastised, that they've done something wrong, that they, you know, they're not going to be forgiven? Or do they really sense the minute they walk in the doors that they're loved and that they are prayed for even before you met them?
1: Our prayer is that when they walk through the door, they can take that deep breath and they can feel at peace, maybe for the first time all day, or even for quite a long time. Their fears when they come in would be many different areas, maybe judgment, maybe concern, maybe guilt, or even shame of the reasons why they're walking through the door. So all of the different things that they may be struggling with, we just hope that when they walk through the door, they can take a deep breath and say, I'm home. It's a okay place to just share what's going on. So Don is giving us a good
0: picture of what pregnancy support centers across the nation are trying to provide. And they go by all sorts of different titles and different names and in the sense of wanting people to come but not feel like this is just about pregnancy or because there are other issues involved. And I'm sure that you you not only deal with clients who come in about an unplanned pregnancy and And even ask you, how can I get an abortion? Tell me what your response to that is.
1: When a client comes in, whether it's for an abortion or not, we want to unpack their concerns. We want to hear what their thoughts are and what they're processing inside, maybe fears or even lies that they're believing, so that we can help to educate them and support them through this journey of, unplanned pregnancy, or maybe even just coming for material support. But the most important thing I would say is to practice the active listening skill, to hear exactly what's going on, to hear how we can help them and how we can speak into their situation in a positive light.
0: Yes. And I think as our dear listener is journeying with us on this conversation, it's a good reminder to all of us that in even in our own family gatherings, in, in an opportunity to talk with our kids, take a pause, don't jump on what they just said, give them time to explain. And that's really what you're saying is important to your skills there at a pregnancy help center.
1: Yes, I believe that in any situation, just as you mentioned with your family or different people, if we respond before they tell us everything, They'll read our body language and not feel that they can tell us what's really going on. And that's very important when we're struggling with situations like unplanned pregnancy or really in any arena of life.
0: Don, what brings a smile to your face when you're dealing with women who just came through the door? On the reverse, what really breaks your heart?
1: I think the smile on my face would be when they can just take a deep breath, when they can pause for a moment and unpack their stories, would just bring a smile to know that they feel safe enough to let us into the pain or let us into their fears and to actually walk with them. But I think one of the hardest things is, is when someone is clearly believing a lie or struggling with a panic that I can't do this because, or there's no way around this, or what if somebody finds out And that makes me sad that those things would be so overpowering in their lives that they would not be able to have a listening ear to hear that there is hope, that they're not alone. And that is just a hard situation to walk someone away without having heard anything to give them hope.
0: We know that organizations that are dealing with abortion are very careful about how they clearly say what they are and want you to come because you need that abortion. But they also think that we are covering our title sometimes. So it looks like we are ready to hear about abortion if that's what you want. Tell me about how important it is to choose the right words, the right verbiage for the name of your organization so that people will come but not feel like oh, I was here for an abortion and I'm not going to get one. And the reality is, that's true. You might be here for an abortion and you're not going to get one here, but you're going to get people who love you and people who support you and people who want to help you.
1: I would say that the importance of choosing a name would be to make sure there's no deception at all in that name choice, that we're not trying to paint a picture that we are one thing, but actually another that we actually are there to help them in a pregnancy-related situation with listening ears and zero judgment, but offering support. If we tricked someone or put a name out there that wasn't who we were, then I think deception would be something that they would sense right away, and we never want them to feel that we're trying to get them to do something we want, or that we think is best for them. Even though We do think it's best. We still want them to know that we're here to support them. We're not here to try to trick them or convince them of something different.
0: I think that's an important piece. I think many people are confused that they hear that from organizations that don't like us. (laughs) But we also need to be sure that we're clear. We do love you no matter what, no matter what your choice is. And that, therefore, allows you to offer them the chance to come back even after they've had that abortion and let you be there for them, right?
1: Absolutely. I would love to have someone choose life for their child, but if for some reason they choose to abort their child, I still welcome them back because they're going to need to talk and process through that situation. The fear is that if they don't, talk about it afterwards, it's much easier to actually get another one or another one as maybe a form of birth control instead of understanding what the right thing would be to do. But we absolutely want to talk to them before or after.
0: What's the topic of adoption like?
1: Adoption is not something that we talk about very often. Adoption is something that a mom would not necessarily Receive is an option for her till usually around the fourth month of pregnancy because it's just too hard to think about giving up a baby, but it's easier in their minds to actually abort that child.
0: We're going to take a very quick break here at Choose Live Radio, and we'll be right back. Hi there, listener. I want to thank you. You so graciously have given to secure the $25,000 match. It's making a huge difference for us. I know there are numerous friends of Choose Life Radio who didn't have either the time or the ability to respond during the match challenge. So I want you to know that our weekly production and airtime costs continue even with the match. And that's why your gift today, whatever the amount it might be, is so desperately needed. This ministry, which focuses on the value of life from the womb to the tomb, continues to frame our interviews and conversations around the sanctity of life. You're not going to hear stories like these on other broadcasts. We're singularly focused on the value of life and that's God's calling on us. Now, if you've tuned in by mistake, if you don't believe in the sanctity of human life, if you're not a Christ follower, please keep listening. I pray you will hear Christ speaking to you and that your life will be changed for all eternity. But if you're a regular radio listener, or you listen to our podcasts, and if they minister to you, if you believe in the sanctity of human life, if you are a Christ follower, these next few comments are for you. To continue to make these weekly broadcasts a reality on your station, to continue to make our podcasts available on your favorite platform, yes, this is for you. So are you with me? We'll always need your financial help. Actually, we need it now. So please consider making a generous investment in this unique ministry of life. You can go to our website, chooseliferadio.com, and locate the Donate button in the top right-hand corner. And just follow those prompts, use your credit card or debit card to make your gift. Or you can mail your check to Choose Life Radio Network, Post Office Box 36622, Canton, Ohio. 44735. That's Post Office Box 36622 in Canton, Ohio, 44735. And by the way, I love to get your mail. So thank you for your gift today, and I firmly believe God will bless you for your commitment to life. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. May I share with you, precious listener, how grateful I am for your kind words on our website, much-needed financial support that you provide, and for your stories that you share with me personally. And today, we have a very special story with Don Bethel. If you're just now tuning in, please go back and hear all the powerful interview that we've already had with Don. You can hear this interview and share it at chooseliferadio.com. Don, you were in the midst of sharing your story, and I interrupted you so that we could take a quick break, but I want you to tell in-depth, your story that's personal.
1: I would say my first interaction with a pregnancy center was at the age of 20 when I had found myself in an unplanned pregnancy situation. And back in those days, you looked up in the yellow pages and found a local pregnancy center. So I walked through the doors terrified and just not sure what I was going to experience. When I got into the center, there was a peace. It kind of felt good there, which is not something that I had experienced much of in my life. And I felt like it's going to be okay. I can take that deep breath just as I was waiting for my appointment. When the advocate came and got me, she talked me through the situation. We did a pregnancy test and she informed me that I was pregnant and talked to me about my options and things of that nature. And I decided that I was going to learn how to be the best mom I could be, and that I was going to raise my child the best I could. Life was pretty broken for me at that point in time. There was not a lot of positive, it was, it was rough. There was a situation of just feeling lost, feeling worthless, and not really seeing much joy. But I knew that being a mom was gonna be a big responsibility. So I went on with life and continued to seek out the best thing for me. As life continued, because things had been pretty rough before this point in time, I was seeking one abusive relationship after the next and just continued on with that. And about six years into the single parenting journey, I went to church with my sister and I met Jesus. And what I knew about the person that I had met through Jesus was that what I had experienced in the pregnancy center and in that advocate's eyes was Jesus. And I knew that I needed to be back there to help people like they had helped me. Along that journey, I took a couple years to just get to know Jesus. I was currently in an abusive relationship, and I thought, God, if you really are who they say you are, You can get me out of this and bring me a godly husband. And God did just that. He broke this abusive relationship to pieces and brought me the man that I am now married to almost for 20 years. We got married and got pregnant, and I knew that the Lord said, you need to go back to serve at the pregnancy center. So I signed up for volunteer training, and about two months into my daughter's life, I sat at the volunteer training appointments to see what I could do to serve there. One of the times that we were in class, they played a video, and the video had disturbed me deep to my core. There was a noise in the video that just rattled me, and I couldn't shake it. I went home and I prayed all through the night and through the morning, and the Lord had revealed that the reason why that noise had disturbed me was because that I had lived that noise that I had actually had an abortion. And that changed my perspective of so many things, that I had actually walked through something that I had not even ever realized. Through the years, I continued to serve at the pregnancy center on staff and they had introduced us to a deep healing study. And I thought, nope, I don't need that. But the Lord just kept tapping me on the shoulder and said, You need to do this. So I begrudgingly agreed. And as I continued in the study, the first thing that we had to do was write out our story of abortion, but I didn't know mine. So I had to call the only person that was able to give me any information. It took three phone calls before I could get any information about my abortion. After that third phone call, they finally shared with me that maybe I was six or eight weeks along. They didn't know what type of abortion it was, but they knew that they had taken me to have an abortion at the age of 17. I still was just frazzled. Lord, I need more information. I need to understand more. I need to process more. And my perspective went to thinking of through the whole situation. What I knew was that as I had started my career at the age of 13, that I was seeking to be accepted. My father was an alcoholic, so he very often was not present in our lives at all. And I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be acknowledged. And that was not something that he could offer to us. And my mom was not the lovey-dovey, encouraging type mother either. So I was just not receiving the things I needed. But I learned that doing acts of service could bring you compliments, could bring you positive recognition. So I was giving everything that I could. And that was when I started to be introduced to men. And they also would give positive recognition, but wanted it a little bit differently than a coworker might want that. My first experience of a relationship was Rocky and I had broken up with this gentleman and he tried to kill himself after I did that because I would not give him sex. So I learned that you just give whatever someone wants, because you can't tolerate being invisible again. I continued on and met another gentleman, and he wouldn't talk to me if I wasn't with him intimately. So I said, okay, I can't handle one more rejection. And after I was intimate with him, my mom had found out, and she took me to the doctor's. Before I went to the doctors, though, I was in my bedroom for a couple days, almost like I was being hidden, like no one would talk to me, my brothers and sisters, my dad, no one came to see me, and I felt invisible, which was really hard. As I continued through the next day, Mom took me to the doctors after we had my brothers and sisters went to school and Dad went to work, and I thought, When you are intimate and you have sex, you have to go to the doctors and you get an exam and get an antibiotic and you're good. That's what I thought was happening. But when I left that doctor's visit that day, I was not the same person that had walked in. I didn't know what had happened, but I knew that I was different. My eyes were no longer eyes that saw any kind of joy or color. They were just empty vessels of darkness void of life, no feelings, just darkness. I went on from there to seek out more and more abusive relationships at this point in time, but a significant thing happened the day after that doctor's visit. I had to go back to school and it was the day of group senior pictures. And what I can remember that day is everything was dark. There was no joy from my friends. I was really not there anymore. The me that they knew was gone. But I was wearing this outfit, and this outfit was the warmest, most comforting hug that I could ever imagine. I can remember the feeling that it gave me. I can remember every detail of it to this day. And those details were comfort to me. As I continued to seek out abusive relationships with each hit or kick or punch. It was a feeling. It was a negative one. But I was actually feeling something. It was taking over the numb darkness that was inside. And it was continuing to help me to feel a little bit alive. But after all, I thought, I deserved this. I didn't know why I thought I deserved it. But I knew that I did. As I shared these things and this healing class, I learned that the reasons why I had done that was because I had had the abortion. The questions would go through my mind, how could you not know you were pregnant? How could you not know that your body had allowed it to kill a baby? So many thoughts went through my mind. When I shared my story, it took about five hours for my body to stop trembling. But the more the minutes passed, the more the Lord poured in His healing oil. He poured in an intimacy with Him that I didn't know was possible, and He completely forgave me. He let me know that He didn't hold that over me anymore. In this class, we had to write anger letters and forgiveness letters, and I wrote letters to my daughter that I had aborted, and I asked her to forgive me. And God showed me that he had her and that he loved her more than I ever could. I would imagine just brushing the bangs off of her little forehead and staring into her little eyes and how I missed all of that by my choice. But he let me know that he got to experience each and every one of those things with her and that he was going to take care of her even though I couldn't. So the journey was hard. The pregnancy center helped me to be free of something that I didn't know, but it took that safety and acceptance that first day to be able to continue to return.
0: Listener, you have just heard a very, very touching story. And what you're hearing is what the pregnancy centers planted across our nation are responsible to hear. They're willing to sit down. They're willing to have someone come in with a story that Sometimes even has to be unwrapped before it's even remembered. And I am so grateful, so grateful that you have, Don, you've been willing to share this with us. And I just pray now for you, listener, that you will either find someone to help you with something that may have happened terrible in your young years. Go to a center that deals with pregnancy issues and a Christian one if possible so that you not just get the story out, but you understand her point of God holding that child. She'll see that child again in eternity. Don Bethel, you have really given us a fantastic interview. And I'm going to wipe these tears away and I'm going to tell our listener to come back next week right here at Choose Life Radio. The preceding
1: program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.